All right, welcome and uh, good morning, good afternoon and good evening to the Giant Appetite, wherever you may be. Uh, you've got Coco hosting this week. Um, and just a reminder, as always, to hit us up with any questions or queries or fan theories at NeverSurrenderPod at Gmail or get us on Instagram and Twitter at The Squinters or GWS The Squinters or some sort of mixture thereof. Uh, with me this week, calling in from uh, deep quarantine in London, we've got Mal. Welcome, Mal. Pleasure to be here, Keiko. And calling in again from within the Ring of Steel, we've got Bartman. Welcome. to be after another epic and um, we've got a, a guest joining us on the pod this week, and this is a, uh, a Carlton fan. So we've called him up after he's uh, recovered from the heartbreak of Thursday night's game um, to join us and give us a few takes on um, how he sees it for the Giants um, and Carlton. And um, that guy we've got here is uh, Memphis. Welcome to the pod, Memphis. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me, Coco. Good to be here. Woo! Absolutely, Memphis. mate. <laughs> Get around him. So good to see you, Memphis. I think the last time I was at Lords last year. I mean, not it Lords. was. It was. Interesting. <laughs> uh, that's brilliant. Um, Memphis, as always, we start with a little intro. So could you tell us a bit about your uh, football story? Uh, well, yes. Sadly, I'm a tragic Carlton supporter, but um, yes. Played a lot of footy out in Melbourne, outer eastern suburbs, uh, old collegians at Aquinas, first of all. And then, sadly, had a few injuries through the early years of my playing days, like started as a ruckman and broke a wrist and uh, couldn't get back on the park. And then came back playing at East Ringwood about the age of 25, 26, uh, through a number of premiership peak, losses. Peak years. It was peak years, came back at my peak, but uh, yeah, mm. sadly wasn't at my peak uh, stage of football prowesses. And yeah, we, that was the we mid nineties as well, wasn't it, uh, Memfo? Well, yeah. So my first first senior game was ninety five. So probably younger <laughs> than most of you blokes ever played footy. Yeah. Um, yeah, played footy through East Ringwood footy footy years, and then moved to Sydney in at the age of thirty and. By then I was done, but that's where I met all you fellas and uh, thought I'd try and teach you a thing or two in the back line, played with Farrells in the back line at Sydney University and, yeah, hung on for a few years there and obviously I uh, was lucky enough to then get my first flag at the age of 35 and, uh, yeah, a few more years to go and then hung up the boots at that, the age of 38. So some good 40 years through that period, but love to love playing in Sydney as well as obviously through Melbourne. Brilliant, mate. For a bloke that was and done, you, you certainly showed a bit at Sydney, I thought. Well, thank you. Yeah, well, I, it was uh, unfortunate. My first time at Sydney, I, I did turn up. It was well done. Turned up at training in a uh, athletics uh, singlet, which wasn't really what I heard was what you turn up at footy training with and almost got the nickname Steve Monaghetti, which wasn't a great thing. But, uh, yeah, luckily <laughs> hung on and... I uh, was able to get around the boys and play a few years of footy, so that was good. How did you come by the nickname Memphis, Memfo? <laughs> well, yeah, that's another story, but I'll, <laughs> in short, it was, uh, yes, yeah, as you as all footy clubs, you go back to the, 
the pub after training and uh, yeah, looked at the menu at the uh, at the pub and it looked like a very tasty burger, which was called the Memphis Burger. But little did I not know that there was actually steak night and every other bloke in the footy team was eating steak and I was eating the Memphis Burger. So not the greatest start at a new club, but yeah, I did get a nickname, so that's not a bad thing. <laughs> Weird, mate. And can you tell us, Memphis, um, just a few questions. I wanted to know who your favourite player is, Carlton player. Current Carlton player or like or all time? All time, all time. Yeah, give, us, give us one of each. Mm. All time, it's hard to go past Sticks, Kernahan, yeah. like the great man. Great. So just, you know, led from the front, captain, young age, big centre forward. You can't ask anything more than... That delivers the wins off their own boot. Uh, current day, look, it's. I would have wanted to say Patrick Cripps, but he's having a bad year, so it's hard to like yeah. come out and say Cripps at the moment. But um, look, this year Wiedering's been amazing for the Blues, so he's been a, a standout. And I, I probably had him on the trade table about two years ago, so I'm glad he's fought back hard. Um, yep. But yeah, Cripps and Waitering's got to got to be right up there. Pretty good players. Yeah, there are um, some real lovable players at Carlton these days. Actually, I mean, obviously, it's very hard to go past Eddie Betts. Um, and I love I love Levi Casbolt, who just clunks them all the time. <laughs> yeah, well, the, often the uh, rocking the Casbolt is a song that gets played around this household. That's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Can I, can I ask you too, Memphis, um, we, who's your favourite Giants player? Uh, well, current Giants player, I'd have to say uh, the standout for me, Nick Haynes. I mean, he's a, yes. just a superstar. Like, just unassuming, does what he needs to do. Great halfback, reads the play. Like, uh, you know, I, I played as a backman myself. So for me, it's like anyone that can yeah. read the game the way he does, it's just it's astounding. And you don't get the accolades at the half-back where, you know, an intercept mark. It's not the same as kicking a goal, but, yeah, he's, he's a gun. So, yeah, he came by far. Um, obviously, you know, Toby Green, also great. Yeah. great. So. Brilliant, mate. Excellent. And I had a question lined up for you later, but I'm going to sneak it in now. Um, I was going to ask you two things about um, the Giants and Carlton relationship. So first, I'm going to ask who your favourite ex-Giant Carlton player is. But I just put together a list um, <laughs> of blokes that have moved from the Giants to Carlton. And this is a lot of it's under Soss, right? Who used to be the yeah. recruiting manager at Giants and then moved across. So he's, you know, brought with him a lot of the blokes he's liked. But I got Setterfield, Matt Kennedy, Lockie Plowman, Caleb Marchbank, uh, Christian Jacks, um, Sumner, Jared Pickett. Jed Lamb and Andrew Phillips, a personal favourite of ours. Um, so my questions are, outside of Christian Jacks, oh, who's, who's your favourite um, ex-giant Carlton player? Oh, uh, look, you probably even forgot Mark Wiley, which was, he was in the mix as well, oh. which is, yeah, he was a first rounder. What's um, his name, Mark Wiley? Mark Wiley, I think we recruited as well with, the Christian Jacks trade, so yeah, um, yeah, like we we love to take the who were the first rounders for the Giants back back then. So 
you know, some that was like picked 11, 12. So, you know, yeah. so I thought, why not? Let's bring them across. And even, um, yeah, there was, they were all right up there. But as far as who's been great since, you know, Andrew Phillips, as you know, we love him because, you know, we obviously met him at Falls Festival years back. He was serviceable. But right yeah. now, for me, going forward, like, Setterfield's a gun. So, yeah. he's developing. He was obviously pick four. Um, yep. And now they're giving him some time in the midfield, which, you know, he, he just he was the inside big body back in the under-18 days. So, yeah. giving him some time in the guts. And, yeah, he's, he's definitely showing a lot this year. So, for us, you know, for me, going forward, yeah, he, he shows. He's the way. Yeah. March Bank, they talk quite highly of. Obviously, he's had, had some good years. Um, this just needs injury free, and at the moment, he, you know, he's struggling a fair bit. But um, okay. he's, the, he's the other one. Okay, so has he been? So he didn't play on Thursday, did he? So has he been no, injured? No, no, he's yeah. Sadly, Marchbank's been injured since probably early last year, and yeah, hasn't got yeah. back out there. And what about Matt Kennedy? Has he been? How's he been going? Well, look, I was really disappointed he played on the weekend, last game. So yeah. you know, he had a. He was being played in the twos at the start of the year and um, was killing it to the point where, you know, Teague said, we have to play him. Like, he's been playing that well, and they did. And he, he was he was great when he came in. Um, yep. Has a few up and down games, so he'll play well and then have a bad game. Um, well, not as, like, high as possessions and then got injured. Yeah. So, he had a game in the twos the other week and I was like, they've got to pick him. And then, yeah. for some reason, they didn't say... So, yeah, I was I was shattered he didn't play because when he plays, he's also pushes forward and he's a great kick of goals. So I was disappointed yeah. to run. He's he's another uh, Riverina boy, isn't he, uh, Mal? You'd you'd obviously be up and around Maddie Kennedy. Oh yeah, definitely, mate. Um, he's a where all the great footballers boys. come from. That's right. Uh, yep. I think I think, so. I think he and he he and Petrol played a lot of their no, or is he? It's is either from. He's from Colin Gully or somewhere like that. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I thought he and Petrol played a lot of um, mm. junior footy together. He, because I was, I was actually living in the Riverina, I think around the time he was drafted. That's right. Yeah. And uh, the big story was he he'd chosen to, he'd either been disappointed in his rep career to that point, and he'd made the decision in his final year before getting drafted that rather than play, you know, underage rep games, he was just going to play a season of bush footy with the men. And yep. uh, I think you can you can see that that was a great decision because yeah, down at Colin Gully Glenfield Park Football yeah. Club, he, yeah, he won a premiership, I believe, his second day in a row, fourteen yeah, fifteen. <laughs> and couple of long line too, of right? yeah, yeah, long line of young guys that have come in, dominated a year of sort of uh, bush football, and won a won a flag in their teens, and then gone on to bigger and better things. So good on him. Yeah, I, I always I always liked Matty Kennedy. Um, but he, yeah, he played his junior nice as thick a hair. Yeah. yeah, he was a, he was a centre forward as a as a junior footballer. So he kind of was big bodied. They've now moved him obviously midfield. But yeah, he he, he just needs he's, to get game time. He's big yeah, for a midfielder. 190 centimetres and 88 kilos. That's a it's oh, yeah. a lot of man to be moving around through the midfield. Uh, like mate, that. he he's small compared to the the crypt master himself. Oh yeah, well the crypt master general, mate. He's the yeah. he's the what are they, when when he came on, what do they call him? The prototype. That's right. But yeah. a modern midfielder. A modern midfielder. Just rearranged Chris Main's face a week prior to our game. <laughs> <laughs> Did a bit of cosmetic surgery to his left cheek. 
Yeah, wow. Paddy Cripps is massive. <laughs> he is a big, big juker. He is a big juke. <laughs> All right, so we might move on to the uh, first quarter, which is issues of the week. And I thought the first one that I wanted to discuss um, was actually the grand final announcement. So um, Gil has uh, called it, that's going to be played at the Gabba, or the Gabatoire, um, and it's going to be played at night. So I just wanted to get the thoughts on what we think about uh, having the night grand final at the Gabba. So it's definitely being played at night, is it? Yeah, I, I heard it's, it's yeah. they, haven't got, they haven't locked in the time, but I've heard it is going to be at night. There's been a lot I, of I heard some reports. It. Sorry, go on. I was just going to say, has the prospect or the spectre of a night grand final been sort of looming for some time now? Hasn't there been a lot of chat that it's something the AFL needs to look at? And this is, I think, a great example. I mean, we can talk about the choice of venue in a bit more depth, but it's a great example of where something, a new innovation has come out of a shit situation that might actually end up being something really cool. So I'm all for it. I've always hated the idea of a night grand final. I love the the two thirty bouts. I mean, that's that's footy two thirty on a Saturday. That's you know the A team's footy time, I reckon. And I just love that tradition. You know, you can talk about more revenue and all that sort of stuff, but how much do we really want to you know just chase commercial dollars? If you want to watch the AFL grand final, you watch it no matter what time it's on. So two thirty, I reckon. I, I love the um, you know the heritage aspect of that, and I wouldn't like to see it change. Obviously, moving it up to Queensland. You probably can't play the grand final at two thirty in the afternoon on a scorching October twenty fourth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, I appreciate that move to the, the later time this year. Um, unless you want to, unless you want to even up the aged care death tally between Queensland <laughs> <Yeah>. and Victoria, <laughs> um, and also because the Clapham Ground is unlikely to be able to show the AFL grand final at um, this year, so. Yeah, you know, there's no 5.30 tins in the morning, but uh, it's usually a great time in London. It's the best day of the year in London, the last Saturday of September. You get down to the ground as they're kicking everyone out and in you go at 5am, sink what's, your what's first tin of EB. Oh, yeah. I didn't even think of that for the London, uh, uh, the, the London chapter. The diaspora, Coco. Yeah. Yeah, it'll be nine, I think it'll be about 9am um, and there's moves afoot to uh, have something at Friend of the Pod, Deuce McKinnon's uh, joint in Bethany yep. Green maybe this year. Beautiful. We might have to patch you in from there later in, on. <laughs> that might be one I'm of our first, sure. uh, our first video. We might have to post some footage. <laughs> I'm not sure that'll be a good idea, mate. Yeah. If, you know, once the Giants have won, once the boys have wrapped uh, up the grand final, I'll be right. flying. Don't you worry about that. I think the, um, I, I like the loyalty as well to um, the Queensland government and, you know, the Gabbard, because I mean, they kept the season going and, you know, Western Australia and South Australia, they're spewing because they love their grounds, which, and they're, they're brilliant facilities and great grounds. But I mean, they shut down, didn't help out the AFL. So I think it's actually good yeah. that it went to the Gabba because they, without, without the Queensland government and what they've done, there wouldn't have been a season. Yeah. So I'm so glad they told yeah. um, West Australia, you know, to not interested. I think that was, yeah. I, that was, I think that was a great idea. I'm glad that. Particularly bloody Western Australia, always talking about seceding. Fucking hell, you wouldn't give them the grand final after that chat, would you? <laughs> No, but you're absolutely right, Coco. Yeah. They just didn't help it. They just, they, they, on the one hand, made the argument that we're traditional football states and it, it would be ridiculous to have it anywhere but here. But on the other hand, they're like, uh, no, no one's coming in. No one's going out. You know, it's really strict yeah. tubs for the AFL. Like, just very, made it very difficult. Whereas 
I think Queensland made the decision easy in the end. Mm. Yeah, they did. And the pitch was quite good because they had, you know, kids involved and they've got plans yeah. for how they're going to grow the game in Queensland. And, you know, we talked about the growth in the women's game. Yeah, yeah they hit all the, beautiful. dotted all the I's, mate. I think the hardest thing is like, how do you make it equitable, right? Like if you put it in Perth, it's like heavily West Coast fo- focused. I mean, you put it in Adelaide, it's going to be Port Adelaide focused. You put it in Brisbane, you know, Brisbane's going to be that way as well. But yeah, that, the fact that the government helped out, did what they needed to do, like, you know, it just seems like, it seems fair though to, to put it there. Like they've done Mem- the right thing. Memphis, I would say though, I mean, if you're talking about it being equitable, I mean, yeah. it hasn't been equitable. The MCG. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I, I think, I actually hope. I think that's I what know, M stands for. It's Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think um, for, for me, I'm actually hoping, I mean, obviously Giants all the way, but if Giants fall, um, I would love to see the, um, I'd love to see the Lions win by like 20 goals. And then, you know, just to give people a look mm. that, you know, when one team gets it at the home ground, you know, it's, it is an advantage because yeah. I think that happens every year in Melbourne pretty much. And, you know, you know, the stats are that when a Melbourne team plays an interstate team, the Melbourne team generally wins unless it's Collingwood choking, you know, as yeah. it happened a couple of years ago, um, you know, or, or it's taken some of the great, you know, all-time great Swans teams to win flags. Um, but outside, you know, I think, I think that's going to sort of show that, you know. It's the factor that you need to consider. Fair. Yeah, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. To follow as far one from that, yeah. Sorry, I was going to say. that as far as the nighttime slot goes, the only issue yeah. I have is quality of game. Like, you know, yeah. the daytime footy just tends to be clean. You know, footy players can see the ball. Nighttime, it just it does. I don't know whether that messes with the quality at, at all. But you know, it, it it can be a factor if the lights are a bit funny or I don't know. Sleep wake cycles are all out of whack. You know, <laughs> it'll be, yeah, you're it'll trying be to peak too, when right? you're supposed to be winding down. I agree. Batman, I yeah, the only reason I want nighttime finals is the halftime entertainment. That's the that's the unfortunate yeah. part, which is ridiculous. Yeah. Shouldn't be about yeah. that. So I, I, I also shared an article um, that was written written by Andrew Wu this week. Um, who I quite like because he uses his yeah, personal like Facebook account to um, he's in the Giants chat the Giants like um, yeah he's on the, the Facebook group the main Giants fan Facebook group he's in that and awesome. he posts all his articles from his personal account into the group so <laughs> I love seeing that um, from the woo um, but he had an article about and, and it was um, the Swans and Giants chairs both calling for a best of three grand final um, and my reaction to that, first of all, I'm like, nah, it's a, like, it's one game. We don't need a final series. We don't need best of three. There's no point. Um, but I mean, the, if we're talking about, you know, it being equitable, I take that point. And as well, you know, I think the grand final, I'm one of those that think the grand final should move around the country to, you know, and people should bid each year. And so I think what, and, and you know, we know it's locked in, you know, for the next 50 years of the MCG. So I think they're, you know, trying to skin the cat a different way by saying, let's play a best of three. We can have one at Melbourne and two, you know, either to the home side or the higher rank side for the grand final. Um, and they either get the other two or one or whatever else. So do you, you don't play the third system. one. If, if one team wins the first two, you don't play the dead rubber. Um, I think you, I, I'm not sure what was, I, I don't know if the proposal got that far, 
imagine, see... imagine showing up for a dead rubber <laughs> grand final <laughs> at your at your home or at, at an away ga- at an away ground. So you've played leg one at the G, leg two at the Gabbertoir, and then you've got to fly back over to Perth to Optus and play <laughs> leg three of a losing grand final. Wow, you'd lose by thirty three goals, wouldn't you? You play. Freo, what do you do? You no, play no, the kids. Freo would be up for it. Freo yeah, would be up for it because it'd be the only grand final they'll ever win. <laughs> the dead rubber grand final, and then Freo supporters can go around saying, "Look, we won a grand final." It'd be like, "Yeah, it was a dead rubber." Yeah. yeah, I think I think if it was best of three, you'd probably not play the third league. But that, that obviously introduces a fair bit of uncertainty around Mad Monday, around when you book your end of season trip. Uh, you know. Blokes that have got missus have certain obligations to, you know, free weekends once footy's over that, you know, there'll be hell to pay if all of a sudden you're like, oh, sorry, babe. Turns out I've got to go play another grand final next week. Like, <laughs> you know, it's, there's a lot of implications to a decision like this. I'm not, sure these, I'm not sure the brains trust of the Sydney AFL teams have really thought this through. They're just trying to, <laughs> they're just trying to inject a bit of American razzle-dazzle into uh, the domestic yeah. <laughs> Well, did you also see buried quite a long way down in that piece was Tony Shepard on, jumped on board. He's the uh, chairman of uh, the Giants. I think he jumped on board because he's also recently this week been made um, chairman of the board of Venues New South Wales. So uh, yeah. A little bit of <laughs> Connect the dots there, Mal. <laughs> Connect the dots, mate. Thank you. But I, I hate the idea of three grand finals, but I do agree with you, Coco, um, in that we should possibly be getting the grand final moving around a little bit more you know a competitive bid each year bidding i love bidding yeah 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 that's the only way you're gonna do it mate yeah like the super bowl yeah sometimes you've got to skin the yeah sometimes you've got to skin the cat outside the box Mm, (laughs) or sometimes there isn't even a cat in the box as there wasn't for the uh schrodinger (laughs) experiment (laughs) well there is or there isn't depending on uh your frame of reference i believe they call the third. Well, the point is, you can't tell, mate. That's the old Schrodinger. Well, in between, well, there is and there isn't. Down, the third state you. called. Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> Would the dead, the the dead rubber grand final, the third one, that could be Schrodinger's grand sh- final. Yeah. Schrodinger's granny. <laughs> oh yes. That's perfect, actually. You've got, you, you have the first one, the home, the top side gets the home grand final, second one at the MCG, and the third one, Schrodinger's grand final. Ooh, does it even exist? <laughs> oh, that oh. is perfect. Right, brilliant. Um, so on that, uh, rather deep. Like we've really covered that one. Let's move on. Uh, just a quick one. Leon Cameron, he actually re-signed this week for two more years. Uh, he's a, that's contingent on a hip replacement. So <laughs> he, uh, it's all tied up in a hip replacement is my understanding. Uh, <laughs> if he comes through that all right, um, he, gets the, he gets the two years. If he keeps putting it off as he has been, keeps getting around with that pirate gate, then um, we can flag him after one. It's yeah. an interesting, interesting one because, like, as an outsider watching in as a coach, like, I'm like, he's like, as everyone said, he's got the Ferrari, right? Yeah. And I'm like, if you're struggling to make the aid with that team, like, what is going on? So yeah. the questions has to come back to, like, is it the cattle? No, they made the grand final last year. I know this year's different, but and yeah. they're in the eight, so 
Oh, yeah, but hang on, bro. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, no, no. We've got a game in hand against um, against yeah, one of the teams, teams. above us. I don't know. I, I just, I just think it's a question that you would have to ask the question of is the coach a fat that? Because quality side, you've got talent. You should be every game. I just see Giants. How can you not pick them? Like they are the best, yeah. better team on paper. So I agree. Then, we're not we're not playing well this year, but at the same time. On paper, if you just look at the on paper stuff, coming off a grand final and at the three quarter length point of the of this this season, we're in the eight. Like you, you offer that guy a contract extension, like it's, yeah, it's a no brainer. I mean, I mean yeah, lots of people do, think he, he should have he's underachieved, but he we got to a grand final last year. Yeah, so it's only two years as well. I, I, I agree on that. But I just think that the style of footy that they play just doesn't seem to be like, I don't know, they don't stand out to me as being a side as good as what they should be. Like your age profile is awesome. Like yeah. everyone's in their peak. They shouldn't be in the position they're in this year. So, so then instantly go, all right, let's give the coach two years. I, I, that's the question I have. I, I did. Um, I, I would have waited yeah. to the end of the year. Like that's why not? Like, yeah, yeah. Well, he's probably he's probably pushing it. Is it? I mean, his he and his management would be like, uh, "What's up? Show me the money." Did, did they did they clear up that what they can do in terms of um, contracts for staff? Because I thought he was waiting on that, and I didn't hear any announcements around that. Well, mate, we're just lucky that two of our boys didn't get into a fight out the front of the strippers uh, over the weekend, because that just sliced a hundred grand off the the budget next year for the Tigers. So yeah. there's some up and coming line coach is just about to get a phone call in the off season saying, "Hey, mate, uh, looks like we won't actually be needing you to coach the uh, inside half back line players." Yeah. So sorry. You can... <laughs> Hey, uh, Batman, I wonder if they have their coaching done by area of the ground. So, like, they've got the, the bloke Actually, that Actually, they coaches, probably do. You're right. Yeah. yeah. The bloke that coaches from 30 metres out from the, you know, the defensive goal line to 50 metres out in the defensive goal line. That's, yep. that's just going to be a dead zone for the Tigers next season. Oh, yeah, that's right. Or from, from point post to goal post, uh, that very narrow corridor. Call it the side corridor. It's, they're going to be a mess in that zone yeah. next year. They're just going to bypass it. I'll be out on the flanks the whole time. <laughs> the other, the other interesting thing about um, the Leon contract extension, just to cover that off. To be fair, um, you know he's coached since two thousand and fourteen, and it came up as a stat I think last week after our hundredth win or whatever it was, um, or maybe our yeah whatever. Well, two hundredth um, game, has, I think. Two hundredth game. Two hundredth game. Yeah. yeah. Le- Leon has a winning record over the course of that, um, and, and yeah. reasonably strongly, a fifty-five percent to forty-five percent win-loss record over that stretch, which is no mean feat considering he took over in two thousand fourteen when we were still sort of a junior side, and we've got basically better and better each year. Uh, and we're the only team to win a final in every of, yeah. every one of the last what six seasons. No Four other seasons. team. Yeah, two thousand sixteen. Okay, sorry, four seasons, but. I'm pretty sure that's also an impressive stat. Yeah, and 16 is yeah, four seasons. The question I have, like, <laughs> and, and, and this is it'll be five this year. Yeah, exactly. This is again to you guys, who obviously, like uh, the you know the Giants supporters. It's like, well, what is his trademark? Like, what's his game style? Is there a set game plan that you go? Is his? Is there? Yeah, well, that that is his trademark. No plan B. And also, I don't, I don't, I don't think every team. I, I, I mean, as a casual football observer, I think of the eighteen teams in the comp, 
I don't think every single team has an identifiable game style that is like quintessential to that team. Some definitely do, but not everyone does. Yeah. Uh, and I don't think you can hold him to that as a criteria for be- making him, him being a good coach or not. Necessarily. Yeah, I, I would more just say like... like what's right. Carlton's style? Well, for us, it's like... <laughs> Junk. <laughs> hey, I, I would say the biggest change yeah. Teague brought on was more like... It was the strongest structure in the, the defence. They pushed up the ground a bit more and squeezed things. And if you think about yeah. the Giants game in the third quarter, we held the territory battle. And that was like a Teague yeah. kind of structure. So we had all the play in our forward half. We didn't score. But that that was like pure coaching and structure. So and that's what he's brought on in our side. But you know, like for for the Giants, like yeah, I guess it's like is there a fast flowing style of footy? Or it certainly showed in the last quarter, like you guys, like and I knew it. I was like, don't open the game up because as soon as yeah. that does happen, Giants can just turn, burn you on the the turnover. And exactly what happened. Yeah. What you've but just is, explained but there, is that the Giants burning you, theme. or is that you, are, are we burning you because you've pushed up the ground well, so hard, like you just said? Sadly, we, so is that we pushed, is that our game style or your a deficiency in your game style? You know what I in mean. In the end, I thought it was a defense, deficiency on our side. We were up by fifteen points going into the last quarter. We didn't need to push up that hard, but generally speaking, like that worked for the first half. But then when you got the lead, you kind of need to have like the extra man back. They didn't do that. So, I just think yeah. game style is something that's a very easily identifiable thing when things are going well. And mm-hmm. it's an easy thing for people to point to as being deficient when things aren't going well. And the classic I thought from the game on the weekend was um, the Giants were getting lambasted by the, co- by the uh, commentators for chipping the ball around, slowing play down at the sort of eight minute mark of the second quarter. Because, yes. you know, trying to take a bit of heat out of the game when mm. I think we hadn't kicked, we were like one goal 10 and Carlton was sort of three goals three or something at that time. Um, and Brayshaw uh, from our broadcast partners just could not believe that this was something that they were doing and didn't yeah. understand it. And he was saying, oh, Bobby Hill, you know, going against all his instincts here to kick yes. the ball backwards. That must be something that he's been told to do because he'd never do that naturally, blah, blah, blah. Fast forward a quarter and a half. Carlton are doing the exact same thing when the we've just when we're starting to close. We're within about eight or three, you know, three to eight points at that time. And all of a sudden it's a very smart thing for Carlton to be doing. Then take a bit of heat out of the game, you know, chip it around, maintain possession, keep it away from they, the they were in front though, weren't they? Yeah, so, they're still in yeah. front. So it it these things are I mean, Australian rules football lends itself to being described, you know. It's yeah. very easy to to point to to one thing and, and say that it's good or it's bad depending on the, the the ebb and flow of the game and the exact point in the game. I don't know that it's necessarily a, a game that lends itself to being described in terms of a style, especially I, the, I the modern game. The modern game is like thirty six blokes following the ball around, all within a <laughs> kick of the ball, and no one's scoring very much. So would you say, Barman, that Leon Cameron was employing? A plan B, which was Schrodinger's game style. <laughs> exactly. If if you, Coco, I'll put it to you this way, Coco. If you don't know what your game style is, how the fuck is anyone else going to know what your game style is? <laughs> in that, in that, flawed as it is, is genius. There's genius in that. Exactly. I will say though um, that one thing that you know, and this season's been really disjointed for the Giants. But now we've had in the last month, we've had two. It's been a really tough season to come from behind, and we've now had two come from behind victories. Is that our style? Which, coming from behind coming and from grinding behind, out the hard wins really, well, that we needed we've, to. 
we've it's always said that we can't come from behind. And so now like we're actually flicking the switch a little bit more because in the last quarter... So the, hang on, the, are you saying that this is actually an evolution in the way that we're playing, Coco? <laughs> we're actually more advanced this year than we have been in previous years under Leon's tutelage. Yeah, I don't know, mate. He seemed to... Um, He's definitely found, found the clutch on the Ferrari and he's managed to put it <laughs> yeah. in and slip the boys out of seconds. He's managed to slip the boys out of seconds, maybe pushing up to third and fourth gear. But, you know, yeah, we, got, that, we got, we got five something. minutes. We might have even got five minutes at the start of that fourth term in the game against Carlton where we got it up to fifth, I think, mate, where Jakey Riccardi kicked those two beautiful goals in a row. Uh, yeah. Petrol Perryman iced it. I mean, that yep. was... That was you know, but really, that was the only time he let the clutch drop back in and the Ferrari <laughs> gave a little spurt forward. All right. So moving on, um, just want to give a shout out to our correspondent, Terry, with his questions a few weeks back. And if you check out the website, Terry, we do have, we had a request to get the squinters nicknames up on the website and they're there in all their glory, Terry. So uh, check out the website, mate. Um, I feel, I feel like it's one of those... Or uh, any, any feedback, Terry, any suggestions, Please. Uh, you know where to find us. I feel like a politician responding to a change.com petition. We've had one, one signature from Terry and we've changed our entire operation. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. But we, ha- <laughs> we have had another correspondent this week, uh, another correspondence um, from Ragnar Lothbrok. And in, hope you're listening, in, buddy. Yeah, I think it's actually Travis Fimmel in disguise, to be honest with you, using a nom de plume. <laughs> Looking back through it, you've obviously done your research too, Riles, Mal, or you probably already know, but Ragnar Lothbrok was a uh, Nordic uh, warrior in the ninth century. So he's either listening um, out from Valhalla or it is a nom de plume. <laughs> or, or he, or he might or have some been, sort um, of Schrodinger situation <laughs> that we're <laughs> involving the time space continuum. That we're... And, and to be, to be, if you have uh, just a quick shout out, if you haven't watched uh, Vikings, the series uh, available through various channels, uh, do yourself a favor and check that out where Travis Fimmel does play Ragnar Lothar. Oh, so he's Good in plug. that show. Nice. Yeah, well, he plays Ragnar. That's why I think this might be Trav. Ah. Famous Hollywood actor writing into us. He used to be on St Kilda's list as well until he broke his leg. Um, and really? then he moved to New York and was discovered. Yeah, yeah. He was that is great inside knowledge. That is very good. such a good looking man. I love him. Well done. Well, yeah, that's excellent, Mal. All right. So Ragnar or Trav has written in with Hi Fellas, long time silent listener of your pod, and thought I would give you some fan love. Thank you. Ragnar received. Mm. He's got a few topics. Stephen Canelio. Love the guy. Will be an amazing captain. Great, humble person who shows fantastic humility. I wonder if that's elite humility. (laughs) One glaring issue I've noticed this year is that for some reason he's kicking mostly on his left when he's naturally a right-footed player. Now, this wouldn't be an issue if he could hit the side of a barn door with his left foot. (laughs) I'm not sure if he's trying to appease Leon being one of the smoothest left footers of his era or whether he has a wart on the top of his right foot. Surely he has noticed that he's imperfect in this area and may just use his right in the future. Is this part of a club's plan to only use it when we are longer odds of making the grand final so as to boost the club's revenue for a year after being hammered by lockdowns? Good question. There's yeah. a lot in that question. But yeah. still, Leon Cameron, both sides of the body, is still one of the best. Like, Akamanis, Leon Cameron, two of wow. the best on both. 
Who, um, Memphis, who would you say in the, like, playing, running around at the moment is, comes close? Like, Dangerfield gets a mention there occasionally, but is there anyone else? You don't see it as much these days. Mm. No one comes to mind straight away. No. Okay. But, no. yeah, like, the last, yeah, your last grade was Ackermanis that I can think of. Like, could, like the just as preferred. Outside 50. Yeah, yeah. Just as outside preferred. 50, good, good hit. So, yeah, Cameron was certainly one that I remember. Yeah. I, I don't remember any because I, I looked up Leon Cameron this week just to have a bit of a read about him after re signing. I don't remember him playing at all. I'm not sure I ever saw him play. Uh, the dogs, he, play? he started the dogs and then Richmond for a mm. period. So, but yeah. I Outside read that. Winger. Again, can't remember him at all from his playing days. Well, to get back to Ragnar, I, you know, maybe this is just Cogs trying to, as, as he's implied, you know, get there to try and get Leon esque. Uh, in his just as preferred status with yeah. the legs. But you, I, you I could, could argue that sorry. maybe a, an AFL game with a lot riding on the result is not the best place to be practicing. And uh, maybe mm. he just does an extra session on the track on the week where he's just, you know, only kicks on the left or something. But uh, it's, it's an interesting one. Also, where you find yourself on the ground. I mean, he generally is an inside mid, I would yeah. have thought. But so he shouldn't be finding himself always on, you know, the left side of the, the field, Kicking up, kicking north. Um, maybe he just needs his uh, his running patterns and his I don't know where the other he, where he goes like, on the ground to be changed a bit. I was gonna say mm. like the fact that not many people use your non preferred these days in AFL. It's like, well, why does Cogs need to do that? So mm. there seems to be much more uncontested footy these days. So like, why mm. does he just feel like he's throwing it on the left? Is, is it selfish? Know, is he putting himself and his own needs ahead of the team? I'm or is it the no, ultimate reckon... team team man? Just trying to get better for the boys. Yeah. All right. And then he's moving I... moving on to Sam Taylor. And he stated that, geez, we have missed this fella. Can't wait to see him back on the field, as I believe he's probably our best one-on-one defender. I, I, th- I agree. I think he's certainly better yeah. than Phil Davis. Yeah, I think he's a great <laughs> one-on-one. And... I've actually, I've been loving Lockie Keefe um, oh, yes. lately, but then I was thinking about it and I thought, oh, geez, we look good down back because we had um, smaller players. We had Zach Williams, um, Lockie Ash and Lockie Whitfield all coming off half back, which I thought looked brilliant. And then thinking back on the game, I thought, mate, um, Harry Mackay, he clunked everything and he could have won the game for Carlton. Thank he God he can't kick. Fuck. Six or eight <laughs> goals. And so I thought, and I thought, so I thought it was looking good, but then I thought, wait a minute, you know, with Harry Mackay, really, he could have really brained it. And so, um, you know, maybe I think Sam Taylor would have been good. Keith was on him, I think, technically. Although, um, although our man, our man Desi Haynes was floating across in front or... Yeah trying in vain to get his fist on things from behind a few times to help Keith out. Um, I think it was Richo who said during the telecast, you know, Harry Mackay's missed a golden opportunity to kick a bag this game. And those opportunities aren't coming along very often in this season where with low scores and lots of congested football, uh, he was, Um, he was dominant in the game in the third, but yeah, let's, let's Um, have well, just just a quick question for Memfo. Are you going the reverse uh, Hawthorne strategy? You know how they recruited a lot of really silky left footers in their uh, dominant era. Have you recruited a whole just a whole bunch of blokes that can't kick it, Carlton? Because I mean, Levi Casbolt is not the best set shot, but a great mark. <laughs> yeah, but a great mark. Spud Jones, Mackay, like all of these blokes can't kick. 
No, sadly, Sav Rocker, it was probably cut when the, you know, the squeeze came on the, the club in terms of expenses. But yeah, we, we need someone like Sav. Like, it, it flows through. Like, Cripps is the worst shot of goal I've ever seen in my life. And then, yeah. you know, that Harry Mackay is great, but he needs to be on the right side for a left footer. Like, if yeah. he's on that other side, he took all his marks on that side that just his left to right swing just didn't hit. Like, it's not going to work. Yeah. Memphis, that was very de delicately put. But when you mentioned the squeeze coming on with the expenses, we're talking about the systemic salary cap rorting. They <laughs> 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 can't get the paper bags across these days. It's yeah, hard. that's right. <laughs> Mate, if, if the bloody Calabrian mafia aren't allowed to watch training at Prince's Park on a Tuesday, how these third-party deals going to get done, mate? That's the, that's the soft cap we've been hearing so much yeah. about. Maybe, maybe they were always paying the uh, goal-kicking coach with a uh, little paper bag. Well, if it was Sav Rocker, as we heard on uh, Front Bar during the week, all you need to give him was a bowl of ice cream with ice magic, and he would have been happy. Give him a bowl of ice cream with ice magic once a week, and he'll, you know, he'll be your goal-kicking coach. So Ragnar's moved on to the uh, ruck stocks. So he's got, we've got sausage, sauce, onion, and breadsy. And thank you for using this Squinters approved nicknames. Sausage has been a great contributor to our club for the last five years. Sauce has been horrid. What's the plan going forward? Onions is now 23 years old, coming off a knee injury 18, 18 months or so ago. And Bredzy will be 21 in October. But we need to give these fellas a crack. And he thinks the game against Carlton or last week against Freer would have been perfect against Ruckman that aren't in the top 15 in the league. So what are we going to do? What are we going to do? I think the question is, what are we going to do with onion, onions and breadsy? I think it's been difficult this year because there's only really been space with the shortened quarters for one ruck, Ruckman in each team. Um, so, but I don't know. I agree with him. I mean, I mean, is it time maybe next year to, you know, look, look to, you know, especially give onions um, a few senior games. What do we think? Well, we're playing, what have we got Adelaide this week? Their yeah. Ruckman's the bloke whose phone broke and he told everyone he thought yeah. Nat was a spastic and then he got his pants pulled down. He might be a bloke you can play your, your back up to your back up against. I mean, he's not done a lot. And he, speaking of weird kicking styles, he looks like he's only learned how to drop punt in the last 18 months. Like, he's, he, he's, a, bit, he's a weird unit. I don't know what Ruckman, he's like. Are we talking Ruckman. about a Ruckman's kicking, though? Like, you know. Well, no, but even so, now, Even so, like most Ruckman, you know, it's, it's bad even for a Ruckman. Oh, wow. I've got to see this. Anyway. What about Sam Jacobs? Is he getting much run at all? Or has he been? That's sauce. He's been horrid. That's the uh, yeah. he's been an absolute dud pickup, basically. He's been like a cup of tomato sauce you've microwaved and then been forced to skull as some sort of <laughs> party foul. Which is amazing as an all-Australian ruckman. But yeah. yeah. Hey, look, to... we thought we were getting a, a winner. Yeah. Okay. This is uh, comes quickly, doesn't it? Because yeah, he, he came in to be our senior ruckman. This is what's been coming yeah, through. We had to bring mummy out of retirement. We had to bring mummy out of retirement to be competitive in the ruck. Amazing. Yeah. And now back to the draft club. And then back to the draft class of 2018 with XO, Jai Caldwell and Jackson Haitley. We drafted these boys and the two years in the system. We will lose one, if not two, of these guys at the end of the year through lack of opportunity. Haitley is an SA boy and the Crows will have a lot of early picks to throw at him. Seems a logical choice. 
There's a lot of Victorian clubs chasing Jai Caldwell, but there's been huge raps on him from inside the club with Phil Davis saying something along the lines of sign him for life when he first arrived. Would be a shame to lose him, but seems inevitable as he will be getting continuous games at a Melbourne club. Exo is loved by the players as he is a bit of a crazy cat and has a big frame, but doesn't seem to be star material, but may be a good role player in the future. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I reckon. I think um, we've touched on this before, saying that of those have. three, we're gonna lose. We, we're sort of resigned to losing, what? Yeah, one if not two. Do you keep the crazy cat with the big frame, or the uh, the bloke who's got big wraps on him internally? I think we're all assuming the South Australians going. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, Jai Caldwell, he's been good this year. He's been okay. I mean, it's just. I can't see he's got a huge point of difference amongst the blokes in front of him, which is, you know, Cogs, Kelly, Canelio, you know, I don't really see what he adds that we don't already have. Um, but, you know, maybe you do need a bit of time to show that. So, Which is where being a, being a crazy cat comes in. Yeah. Then you're adding something during the week. Exactly. You know, the boy's value. He, he's probably the sort of bloke too, wears a funny hat to training on Mondays, yeah. that sort of stuff. Exactly, exactly. yeah. He'd have, a little, he'd have a little, little segment, you know, every training, last five minutes, he sort of gets up there, says something funny. jokes. I'm curious to know, any of those guys half-back flankers? Because obviously Zach Williams is going to be with the Blues next year, so. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Zachy's not going anywhere, mate. Uh, he's our um you, you need a few paper but you need to sort a few paper bags of cash <laughs> out gary if you want, if you want to say. <laughs> they're, they're being delivered yeah yeah good he's your actually, your mafia people can talk to his riverina mafia people yeah well we're keeping any bets for one more year to just get him under the wing perfect um he's he's the next uh the next topic from ragnar zach williams's class he's a point of difference in our team we can't afford to lose takes the game on and backs himself with pace he's going to get some huge offers from clubs in victoria but we need him i'm almost at the point where using the game style we currently employ he's more valuable than jeremy cameron yes you may think i am insane i don't ragnar no but the way he's been playing this year he would be but the way we've been playing this year and delivering the ball to our forward line, I would be on my way out the door if I was Jeremy Cameron. So one thing needs to change. We either change the way we play or we trade Jeremy Cameron, which would free up cap space and allow us to keep Zach Williams as well as probably Jai Caldwell. Ooh, big issue. huge. Yeah. I think I'm more comfortable with that prospect of not – rejigging the game style, re- losing Jeremy Cameron in this. I'm more comfortable with that in the setting of jo- um, Riccardi having emerged as a, a genuine AFL level talent. But obviously you hate to see a foundation giant who's done so much for us reigning Coleman medalist, you know, the, yeah, yeah, I, would, I would not like to lose Jez. I think, you know, one truncated season change of sort of games. Yeah, really it's hard to really read years. much of this year. Jeremy Cameron is not spent. Not by a long yeah. shot. Oh, no, I don't think he's spent at all. But I think the, the point Ragnar's making is that our game style this year, if you can call it that, hasn't, yeah, hasn't allowed him to shine. Nah. Yeah. Well, you look at the weekend game. He just There was no one-on-ones with Cameron Weidering, really. Mate, Cameron was down at one stage. He was last man standing on the defensive goal line. Like yeah. involved in a scrum to try and keep the ball. Carlton from scoring. He was, kept popping up on half back on the far side of the ground, 
He he was anywhere but the forward fifty. The other interesting one I, I saw today was like, isn't Perryman Perryman's out of contract too at the end of the year? Yeah. So he's one to worry about. This is a this is an annual headache for the, <laughs> yeah. the scratches. Yeah, and, it's, and it's just generally continuous. they just go to Carlton, don't they? That's yeah. Well, that's why we've got nah. you on here. Uh, well, we, we, Memphis, judging from the list of players we talked through earlier, it seems only the duds go to Carlton. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that might all change. I can't figure it out. They go, the good ones go to Collingwood. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Sauce? So, uh, yeah. Well, that's because you guys like, got... Is Sauce still there? Yeah, exactly. I don't know how that worked out. Sauce should have known who's yeah. the good ones were, but Collingwood got the ones that were actually half decent. Yeah, he did. They picked up some great, great ex-giants. Mm. Um, I was saying in the week that I think that the Giants, I think the one thing in order to um, build the club and the culture of the club, I think they should focus, um, and I don't know if this is too old school, but focus on keeping the players that come through the Giant Academy and especially the Riverina guys, because I think they can yeah. give back and bring the next generation through from those areas. And so we've got, we've actually got significant players um, and the out of contract blokes is Petrol Perryman and um, the big dorsal who I love, you know, they're both Giants Academy Riverina boys, um, Jacob Hopper. Um, and I'm, you know, I'm sure there's a few others I'm missing. Obviously Zach Williams too. So to me, I think you sort of prioritize, um, you know, as much as possible, you prioritize those sort of Riverina Giants Academy type types. Well, while, while we've still got an academy. An identity. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The luxury of, a, of an academy, we should do everything we can to, promote promote it yeah uh, anyway all right thanks ragnar for your uh for your email we appreciate it thought-provoking yeah. ragnar oh, i, I yeah, particularly but... enjoyed it because it and particularly the bit about cogs because it had me watching for cogs as kicking all game um yeah. it almost had me and putting it out through my television yeah when you really coughed it up in the third term to center half back against uh disastrous anyway I've got thank that. you ragnar now that's on my game notes too. Yeah. Cogs kick in third quarter. Sad face. <laughs> so that it does, was very sad face. Thanks, Mel, for segueing us into the second quarter, which is the match review. Yeah, um, we, better, we better touch on it. Yeah, only briefly. <laughs> the only the only things I wanted to get us going with. Um, the two two points I had one that um, I think in the middle two quarters and I'm not exactly sure about this the teams kick something like one goal seventeen between them in those two quarters. It's not a great advertisement for the game, is it? As horrible as so bad. <laughs> um, but uh, so that, I mean that's that, you know I don't know what to say about that. But the other thing was I mean how big a factor do we think fatigue was on? for both teams um, in regards to specifically like the skill level um, and like, the, you know, if it comes to goal kicking as well, I mean, they're both coming off like four and five day breaks. Um, so was that, was that a big factor? I reckon, that can be, I reckon that can be overblown. I reckon that's just making excuses. These blokes at this level wouldn't okay. be able to back up four or five days after. It was just dire. I mean, I think there was a little bit to give them some credit. I think they were, and the Gary, uh, sorry, Memfo touched on it before. There was something to do with the the matchups of styles. Uh, Carlton, you know, play pretty tight uh, sort of zone. Um, that that's you know they're building from a defensive sort of base in order to then enhance their uh, attacking game later on, which is what you do with a sort of a younger developing side. I think so. Yeah. You know, and and the Giants kind of played into their hands with that. Um, and but we've also been experimenting, I think, with styles this year 
trying to play that sort of slower game. And, you know, we slipped the, the clutch, as we sort of mentioned, early in that fourth term, banged on three straight goals, got in the lead, and then just iced the game. So, yeah. Um, I think somewhat it could have been down to a matchup of styles as well. Um, yeah. yeah Look, for me, it's, that, that's massive. So, like, I was messaging my mates thinking, how do we win this game? I was like, we need to scrap it out. Let's make this ugly. Yeah. Let's get, like, people around the footy or whatever. Just And it was ugly football. The whole game was ugly. But that's, mm. that's what ultimately led then to, like, just, you know, there wasn't free-flowing opportunities to score goals. Except for the first ten, except for the first ten minutes of the fourth quarter as well, and we just yeah, banged on right. three straight. That's that was awesome. Dropped off, but I think ultimately, like we wanted to scrap it out, make it ugly, and that's yeah. how we could potentially win the game. Open up free flowing footy, Giants would kill come. They'll kill any side. So yeah, I, I think that that contributed to the the kicking factor. And then yeah. it becomes contagious as well, right? Like you, few yeah. people miss, becomes more pressure. Obviously, Ricardi's, you know, a decent footballer. It's come in mature age, so could snag a few, and that was the difference. Yeah, I, I, I was thinking, Cosy. Oh, sorry, Coco. The, um, you know, the the terrible accuracy and the low scores aren't just the fa- haven't just been a feature of the footy since the festival of the boot started, and there was all mm-hmm. these like quick turnarounds. It's been a feature of football ever since the the season was interrupted. Like it's been yes. a shit year for high scores and accurate kicking, like completely. So yes. it's I think it, the close turnarounds may be a factor, but there's something about the interruption to preseason and the season as it normally progresses that's been a factor this year. Because, like, yeah. if you look at the scores, and I'm not going to do this research myself, obviously, but I'm nah, sure just throw it out there. Yeah, bloody overall <laughs> scores are lower and accuracy is low is lower yep. across the board in 2020. And it's not just yep. since we started playing games three or four games days apart. Yeah, and so do you think I'm I'm with you 100? percent And I think too, it's I think the Giants are a skill based side, so I think that's really affected us more than other teams this year. And I think it sort of shows that we we don't give them credit for what highly trained professionals they are. Because, you know, they had that eight-week shutdown and we think, oh, yeah, it's just footy, get back to it. But they obviously train pretty hard and work on their skills all pre-season. And I think it's been hard to bounce back skill-wise from that break. So maybe they are just more highly trained and professionals than we give them credit for. Yeah, well, and I think there was a comment early on after footy restarted where the people were sort of upset at the, the fact that the games were really low scoring and a bit scrappy from an yeah. AFL W player saying, Oh, isn't it interesting if you like compress a season down and you take away yeah. resources and training time and things like that, the quality of the game and the, the, the size of the scores goes down. Mm, I wonder what the link is sarcastically. And I think she yeah. was a hundred percent right. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Nailed it. Yeah. Absolutely nailed it. Um, anyway, let's hope moment- it improves. Yeah. And maybe next year we'll, um, you know, we'll, we'll really be able to see the difference. Well, maybe Up it's crowds the- too. I don't know. I mean, that's yeah. the other factor that's missing. The yep. boys probably, like, some people are terrified by stage anxiety. Other people thrive in, in that environment. So maybe there's a performance aspect to not have, you know, you're missing 50, 60, 70, 80,000 fans backing you in from a set shot that's not a difficult one. 
Whereas this year you've got, you know, four or five South Australian retirees at Metricon. Just <laughs> don't even go for your team watching you. I think a lot's also got to be put on the defence of the opposition, right? So it's like if you have a good defensive unit you're playing against, they force you wide, they force you long. Yeah. And then, you you know, the shots you're having on goals, like, all right. Yeah. You're on boundary side or whatever it is, and it becomes a little bit harder to score goals. So there's... Now, when they talk about back in the history days, you know, the goal kicking has never improved. Back in the day, they used to kick to the top of the square and it was one out, yeah, exactly. right? So yeah, I think, you're, I think historically down. you're definitely right. And, yeah. and it always gives me the shits when BT and Duck are going on about how yeah. shit goal kicking is these days. But, but I think, I think just in, recent, in more recent, you know, compare this season to last season or the season before, I don't think. Yeah, it looks yeah. like it's getting worse. Yeah. There are a couple of um, huge individual efforts that I wanted to highlight. Um, firstly, Heath Shaw, the, uh, uh, the elder mother. statesman. Yeah, but he went, he, he kicked the ball at the start of that play. He kicked the ball inside 50. Coast to coast. And then, and then, and, and then Carlton went coast to coast and the bloke, you know, dived across the line to get across the line. I thought that was just brilliant desperation for the, um, from the elder statesman. And I, lo- I love too that it disproved the uh, common thing that coaches tell you, which is the fastest you'll never beat the football getting from one end of the football crowd to the other. And he to just show that they're full of shit, mate. I just did it. The, the Sorry, foot man. is faster than the ball. Yeah. I love too, um, the, the um, petrol Perryman's goal really broke open that game, put us in front with that spoil and goal. But I just want to um, make sure everyone noticed Dorsal because when Petro got that smother on, Dorsal was right behind him and he shepherded out mm. the Carlton defender, giving Petrol time to pick up and kick through the goal. So I thought that was, uh, you know, all the Dorsal haters won't mention it, but I no. thought it was a pretty integral part of that goal and that was a pretty good effort. And, you know, the best thing about that, Cosy, as, as for Dorsal to not give away a free kick in that scenario because he's a fiery character, you know, when you're shepherding yeah. someone... It's a, it's a high-risk activity yep. for someone like yep. Dorsal. And it to is, not give yep. away a free there, sublime. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to know who these uh, Dorsal haters are. I mean, certainly no one from the Giants in the Giants camp, is there? Well, it appears to be the uh, head of match football committee. and the contracts department at the Giants. <laughs> oh, well, different kettle of fish there, isn't it? So I mean, fa- we, the faceless gonna... men. The faceless men <laughs> at the top of the bloody... <laughs> The top of the bloody organisation, Mel. Ah, fair enough. Night of the long knives. <laughs> uh, um, are we going to mention uh, Jakey Riccardi's two goals that kick-started all of that? Uh, uh, or has, he, has, has he had enough of a, uh, a rap from last week? But so again, Talk us yeah. through them. Uh, just, if anyone, I, I expected it. You know, If anyone was going to stand up when the game was there to be one, take it by the scruff of the neck, so to speak, I thought it was going to be uh, my man, Jakey Riccardi. And, you know, cometh the hour, yeah. cometh the Riccardi. I'm with, I'm with you, Mel. And it, ju- it just lends more weight to what I've been saying for years, which is I don't understand why you think that an 18-year-old kid who's only played against other 18-year-old kids is a better prospect for your professional football club than, like, a guy that's dominated a state football league for a couple of seasons. Mm. Like why are more 20 and 21 year olds from the VFL, the Waffle, the Sandful, the Neeful RIP not getting drafted? <laughs> like it's just, it, it boggles my mind. And yeah. I love it when guys like Riccardi bob up and do well. I just fucking yeah. love it. 
Look, remember for you, a, you had that that great uh, Carlton defender who was a mature age recruit, came in at twenty six or something uh, a few years back. Yeah, sorry. No, no. All I was going to say was um, they showed some footage, and it it shows a mature footballer and their running patterns, and they showed Riccardi in the defensive half, and Carlton were clearing it. Well, Giants were clearing it out, but they went up the line. Riccardi ran through the middle of the ground, and then once they won the ball, he was free, and he was free yeah. in the forward 50 by that stage. Yeah. And it just showed, like, as they talk about running patterns in footy a lot, like, he just – that's maturity. It's like, all right, yeah. I'm not going to run to the footy. I'm going to go the next play if it comes free, if we win it. This is, and, that, you know, that was a goal. So yeah. just smart older footballers, it doesn't make a difference. Yeah, I mean, what we're saying older footballers, Jake. But it's exactly, he's exactly, and it, it, it's twenty-one if, on Tuesday, so happy twenty-first, Jake. It, it's, it's almost <laughs> as if you think people are washed up at, at that age, given that the the look in they get is so small into the. Yeah. Whereas you can be like, like they go halfway down the list on some tack clubs and draft these guys, and mm. you're like, seriously? Yeah, yeah, I. But I mean, I find there's a huge dissonance with how they talk about like the drafting and yeah. recruiting thing because they talk about players like if they're a high draft pick, like a top five draft pick, they don't even talk about if they're any good or not. They just assume that because they they're were good. a high draft pick. Yeah. At one stage, they're talking about Sam Walsh, Memphis, and I think he's had an okay year and, you know, there's a few question marks, but he's going okay. Yeah. And, they, and all the commentators said, oh, he was a top, he was a third, number three draft pick, as in, as if that was case closed, he's a genuine superstar. But then at the yeah. same time, it's a huge dissonance with how they talk about Jake Riccardi and then saying that, you know, he was overlooked 150 times and all, you know, yeah. and it's like, you know, you, you can't talk about on one hand how the draft and their draft position means something when they actually start oh, playing footy, yeah. number one. Time passes, and, right? You know, yeah. Yeah, time passes. And like, like they act like they're all knowing, you know, when it comes to recruiters and the commentators in the industry. But yeah. I mean, you know, when a bloke like this pops up and goes so well, they've got to realise that, you know, maybe they don't yeah. have all the answers and no, stop talking right. like they do. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I just think if I, I just, not that I ever will be, but if I was in a position to re- recruit for a team, I would be like, I'd be drafting guys who've played, senior football yeah. like half the time and I'd be you know you'd pick up a couple of, if you have a high draft pick and there's some kid who is a genuine like you can't afford to not like if you didn't pick him yeah. it'd be like who who is that team Gaz that I mean sorry Memph that got um who passed on Jordan <laughs> um, Sam Bolt oh, yeah. whoever it was oh, that got yeah. drafted by Milwaukee or someone in like 1984 like obviously someone like someone like Jordan's coming through you got to you got to draft him but mm. otherwise, just widen the net a little bit, boys. Like, yeah. Even country leagues have guys playing in it who are mature, yeah. hard bodies, got 100 games of senior footy under their belt, could easily play in the AFL, but they just didn't get that opportunity. Mm. Yeah. Pod Sadley down, like, down at uh, Geelong. He was awesome. Yeah, Pod Sadley. I, I, but I think, Bartman, the Giants have, have done pretty reasonably well at that. We I mean, because when we've got like first rounders, you know, you, you'd probably take the younger player. But once you start getting out of the, you know, once you're up around pick, you know, even 30 or higher than that yeah. 50, you know, why Pull wouldn't you out. look at a bloke? Yeah. Why wouldn't you look at a bloke that's had a couple of years in the, in, mm. you know, at a senior club somewhere? Mm. More of it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, just uh, moving on to next week, um, Actually, so, before you go to next week, the one yep. player that I thought stood out last week from a Giants perspective, and then when the stats talked about it from Carlton's side, we had like 42 inside 50s with one goal. 
And yeah. Teague said Haynes was the best player on the ground. Yeah, thank um, you. So, like, as a, you know, ultimately, like, what was the big difference? Like, Giants' backline had to put up massively. And Andy Haynes was, you know, again, the unassuming great backman that made the difference. Yeah. Oh, look, I just think every week that's the story. And if he, if he only got the raps from our commercial broadcast partners that um, mm. Robbie Tarrant get, that um, Harris Andrews get, that Wiedemann gets, mm. like these yeah. guys and oh, McGovern get, like these intercept, yeah. good, tall, intercepting backmen, the, you know, everyone froths these guys. And Haynes is almost an afterthought when in mm. fact I would put him above, I would put him on a peg... Evil level pegging with any of those guys, if not a bad. Yeah. yeah. Was this the game? And I know it's a very facile award, but was this the game that um, he earned? Has he gone straight from the change rooms into the tailor so they could measure him up for his first All Australian blazer following the game? <laughs> I think. I think. I think they've done. I think the AFL has sent their tailor to Metricon because I think that's done it. I think. I think they've measured him up. He's obviously got long arms, so make sure that the cuffs don't fall too mm. short. And I think that's it. I think I think, that's I think the in the lockdown, Coco, the, the, the tailor's permanently stationed in a little room at Metricon. <laughs> and if you, what happens is in the showers after the game, you get a tap on the shoulder and say, hey, mate, need to sit <laughs> down in the tailor room. You're like, oh, what's this about? You go down there, next minute you're getting measured up for your All-Australian blazer. I always love getting a tap on the shoulder whilst in the shower. Yeah, no, well, it's 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 someone holding a measuring measuring tape. (laughs) Someone with a measuring tape around their neck taps you on the shoulder. It's one of the more pleasant surprise taps you can get in the showers. Thanks for that, Marcus. So one question, Giants go to Adelaide to play Adelaide. Um, Danger game. that, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Coming off absolutely. a win. Um, yeah. So the only want to lose to the shittest team in the in the league. No, That's what I'm makes it a dangerous team. I'm so That's glad they got a win. <laughs> um, I was. But yeah. the question we need would a real be percentage boost anyone. out of this. Yeah, no, we, we need do. a real percentage boost. I mean, and Jez has got to win the Coleman again, so he needs to kick like eight or nine. Yeah. yeah. So full steam ahead now. Yeah. I agree. Oh, absolutely. Four points and fifty percentage of percentage. That's what we need. <laughs> All right. Absolutely. We need to these cunts. Sorry. Memphis. So, do you think that's um, Memphis? Is that closed? I mean, is the season done for the Carlton now? And what do you think of the season? Are you rebuilding uh, Memphis? Well, we the cure in the rack. The interesting chat I heard is someone said, oh, "Someone else has to bring out the calculators to figure out if we can make the top eight. And and if if you if you have to bring out the calculators, you're pretty much done. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'd say we're we're done. Sadly. I'd, I'd love to hear the calcs though. <laughs> yeah. The scenarios that have to play out. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I mean, once we got done by the pies, we were we were cooked. I thought, and then we had yeah. to win everything. But yeah, we're, we're gone, which is fine. This is a Mickey Mouse year anyway. So bring on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough, mate. I'll cop, I'll cop that. Yeah. This is the perfect year to do a best of three grand final series then, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Play the third one on, on Boxing Day. Yeah. Schrodinger's grand final on Boxing Day. Do you know what I love about talking about it being a Mickey Mouse year is that you can just use it fit for purpose. Like, yeah. you know, if Giants win the flag, mate, I will argue with someone black and blue that it was greater than every other year. But if we go straight out in the finals, I'll, I'll be the same as Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. I've never used that phrase till this way. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> just put a, put a couple of big Mickey Mouse ears on the cup this year rather yeah. than the traditional ribbons. Yeah. <laughs> we just need to finish lower on the ladder so we can trade like a uh, high draft pick for Zach Williams. That's all we're going for. Um, what do you reckon we'd want for him as, a free as far agent. as a trade pick? Oh, yeah. So we don't, you don't even... Uh, what no, would you offer? Restricted right? free agent, mate. Yeah. We'll It'll be a big Patty contract. So end of first rounds. Yeah. The end of first round combo because he'll get a big contract, unfortunately. All right. So that brings us on to um, the final quarter, which is issues of the week. And I just had a quick one before I pass it around, a quick um, non football related question um, and I don't know if you blokes saw but Ricky Ponting is going back into the IPL as a coach of the Delhi Capitals and he's just recently travelled over to Dubai to get the IPL season underway but one of the blokes that plays for the Delhi Capitals is uh, Ravi Ashwin the great Indian spinner but he's been known especially in the IPL to like do a man cad and run people out you know um, in his bowling stride. And that's something that Ricky doesn't agree with. And I saw comments that Ricky was saying that he's going to, when he, as soon as he gets to Dubai, his first thing he's going to do is talk to Ravi about his man caddy. Mate, the and first thing he should do is go straight into quarantine because that place is <laughs> swimming with COVID-19, man. Yes. I think Rick should have all coaching conversations via Zoom from his uh, apartment yeah. in Melbourne. It might be a Zoom. It might be a Zoom conversation. But I just wanted to get your bloke's take on. I mean, one, what do we think? I mean, is man cutting okay? I, I personally don't really have a huge problem with it. And number two, I mean, is it really the place of the coach of a franchise twenty twenty com to then tell his player to have that conversation? And what's he going to tell yeah, him? Think, he can't man cut while he plays for Ricky's team, or he's going to drop him. I think man. I think uh, Ravi will have a two word answer for Ricky when he goes to him with that one. And <laughs> I, I agree with you. I don't love man catting, um, but I think you know it's within the rules, and um, you know, you play you play the game to the rules, don't you? Personally, I wouldn't do it, but um, I play to it's, win. It's now. Part of, That's how I play. Yeah, it's part of Ravi's game. I think he'll, yeah, he'll give short shrift to uh, Ricky's suggestion that he doesn't do yeah. it. Well, if you're playing one, because yeah. uh, you know, you even look at like someone could say you should never walk, right? But who? He's going to tell Gilchrist you should never walk if he just thinks, well, that's what I stand yeah. for. So, and how are you going to enforce it? Yeah, don't walk. That's what I instruct you to do. But it's like, well, I just walked. Uh, you know, that's what I did. Same with me. So, <laughs> yeah, I, don't I'm do always, it. Just did yeah, it. It's a tough one. Yeah. All right. Um, I don't know sorry. that, but also Coco, you wouldn't have thought that that'll be a central plank in his coaching strategy. You know, that that is an area of the game that he feels needs specific attention. Like, you know, there's, he's got big, both of them have bigger fish to fry. Don't they like trying to win games and like score runs well, and take wickets, you know, like based on, based on Ricky Ponting's captaincy of the Australian team, you know, maybe that is all he's gotten in, in his coaching. us. <laughs> <laughs> The old warning on the man cat is worthwhile. It's just like oh, you know, one yeah, warning, you know, yeah. Yeah, oh, yeah, the, you know, definitely the warning. Yeah, and then just if he keeps it. doing it, then see you later, mate. Exactly. Yeah. I warned you once. I won't warn you twice. All right. Did anyone have any other issues? Um, no. What are, What are we in? Play on at all costs. Play on at all costs. Yeah. Any I other just wanted to. Bombs? I don't know if I uh, if we mentioned it enough. Just in terms of who we thought played well, as well as Riccardi, obviously, as well as Dorsal. Uh, I thought Bobby Hill 
was good. Yes. I, mean, I, I um, I've been a bit of a Bobby Hill skeptic. I love the excitement factor, but I just haven't seen him sort of contribute much to the result. But yeah. um, I thought he tried hard all day. He was in and under a lot of, on a number of occasions, yeah. and then um, that you know running forward uh, mark over his shoulder, then puts the hand up to say, you know what, I'm going to do the team and the the smart thing here, which is go back, eat some time, and have a set shot. Only to have the ball knocked out of his hands, which should have been a 50 Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah absolutely. But composed didn't, didn't himself, matter, though. went back and iced the goal. And and I loved his celebration, the, the shirt grab over, over yeah. the heart. That one always gives me yeah. yes. response. Oh. It means you know, I've got passion for the jersey, which I love. I only wish he could have done it in the jersey that he designed himself the previous year. Yeah, game. absolutely. That would have been a fucking... That would have been a moment that would have, I reckon, you'd see in being... Use yes. promotion for the next season or next season's yep. Indigenous round. Like that Iconic. Would be Grand final, absolutely. So maybe if one of the screening listeners could get on board with a bit of Photoshop work and just sort of, <laughs> the, you know, last week's jersey into that shot, that'd be... Can, it, I, it's sort of, can I add Harry um, Himmelberg to... Yeah, he's In that last quarter where he, where he took that grab 70-odd metres out from goal when Mac <laughs> if he was having a set shot. Oh, yes. That, that must have boiled the blood of Carlton fans. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But totally yeah. within the within the laws of the game, or against the spirit of the game, or both, or neither. Oh, exactly. It's like a man catting cricket. A man cat. Yeah. I'll have um, a shot from um, here. Thanks. Throw some glass up in the air. <laughs> I do uh, agree. Man. I thought he was good, but I yes. knew also that he was playing on Cameron Paulson, who I still can't understand how he's getting a game. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not Bobby Hill's fault. He was playing <laughs> no. on an absolute loser. Yeah. You know? No. I thought Bobby Hill and Stormy Daniels put small forwards, you know, are known to float in and out of the game, but they both stayed very busy, you know, for yeah. four quarters, which I I've, thought was a huge win. I love Stormy. Like, every, I think he's a every week proposition for us. So, I'm sorry. Yeah, he's brilliant. Yeah. Um, brilliant. Obviously, you have to give the, the free kick count. 26-13 against us. Still getting slaughtered by the umpires. Uh, you wouldn't know it if you listened to the Melbourne-based media that commentated these punches. <laughs> exactly. Well, we're first to the footy for the first three quarters, so you're probably going to get a lot of free kicks then. A lot of ducking. Oh, yeah, I mean, is that how it works? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you if you haven't, you know, I hate the free kick count. I think it's irrelevant, uh, yeah. but I always give it now because I get a lot of stick from the other guys yeah. on the pod about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the one thing I did want to mention on that, three very valid free kicks against us during the game. Perfect segue was the three holding the ball freeze where players of ours were run down from behind. You had the first goal of the match when Lockie Whitfield was tackled by Martin, I believe. Uh, you had Adam Kennedy in the third quarter and I think Keith in the third quarter as well. Um, I, maybe Leon needs to do something at training. I don't know how you, you practice that, you know, spatial awareness. But running uh, backwards. It's, it's the only way to do it. You get blokes running mm-hmm. backwards. Blindfold drills, perhaps. Blindfold drills. <laughs> or talk as well. You just say, "All right, you, know, you blow the whistle twice yeah, yeah, until you hear this. Until you hear two whistle blasts again, you got to run everywhere backwards, and that way you watch them coming at you." Yeah. What about a bit of talk though? A bit of talk from the team, mate. There's no crowd noise. Yeah, that's true. You're hot. No excuse. You're about, <laughs> you're, you're about to get tackled, Lockie. Just kick the bloody thing. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So we might um, close out now. I just wanted to mention too that um, the swordfish, the sausage mummy, um, on his 200th game in 100, 
in the orange and charcoal, which uh, brings into play the father-son for his uh, two gorgeous boys, Ollie yes, and Theo. Boys. And uh, both you know, strapping lads. Both strapping lads. And obviously they don't have to grow up to, you know, be AFL players, but they can do whatever they want for us and the club if they um, did. It's my understanding that um, Shane Mumford's wife is actually Joanna Conta, the British tennis player's sister. So there should be some fairly decent sporting pedigree uh, in amongst mm. those two young fellas. So Mate, hopefully that is they a do a big strapping Mal. Good knowledge, Mel. Matt, you have been... You've been undercover this week, Mel. I love these these morsels you've been delivering. Who, who doesn't love Shane Mumford, mate, and yeah. want to know everything you can about him? Go to yeah. deep dive into his in-laws' extended family tree. <laughs> it's not really a deep dive. I think, um, deep, well, you start talking it's, it's about on, wives it's, it's, and sisters. It's on his life. Wikipedia page, personal life. Mumford is married to Eva Conta, the sister of British tennis player Johanna Conta. The pair have two children. I mean, that's all it's got in personal life. It's that's a deep dive, mate. Public knowledge. <laughs> that, yeah, that's a deep dive, mate. I thought I was doing a, uh, I thought I was doing a pretty deep dive to find <laughs> out about uh, Ragnar, um, but turns out Mal was streets ahead of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, anything more for any more? All right. On that case, we might uh, finish up for the week. And uh, thanks for listening. And we'll go around and uh, with our usual sign-off. Mal? Never surrender. Batman? Never surrender. Memphis? Go, boys. <laughs> <laughs> oh, never surrender. And Memphis will definitely not be invited back onto the pod. <laughs> never surrender. <laughs> have, a great, have a great week, guys.